Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to Business Black Belts. And today we have another special guest with us. Chris, why don't you go ahead, take us through who you are, what you do, your journey, like the whole package, the nice, neat little bow delivered on a plate. The whole, whole shabille. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me here. Excited to be on your show here. My name's Christopher Habig. Uh, professionally, what occupies my time is I am the co-founder and CEO of a healthcare startup called Freedom HealthWorks. And what's fun about what I get to do is there's a lot of companies that talk about healthcare innovation and it's usually some type of healthcare technology that you know lets somebody check their glucose at home or do something like that. What we did is go in and completely revamp how healthcare is paid for. So our innovation comes on the business model of healthcare and returning control and power, decision-making really, back to a patient and a doctor and nobody else. Whew. Heavy stuff. That's what I like to call that stuff. It's just stuff that <laughs> it's yeah, so simple. It is. It's the simplest thing in the world, Laura. So you know, I'll go into a little bit more detail. <laughs> so what we do is we don't do business with insurance companies. We don't do business with government programs. What somebody gets to go in do is pay cash or a credit card. And most of it, you get to join a primary care doctor and we kind of laugh about it. It's, it's all the primary care you can eat. So it's like buffet style medical services from your own physician not a revolving wheel of white coats and stethoscopes. And it's kind of that Norman Rockwell visual where our doctors make house calls, Laura. Yeah. It's 2022 and they're making house calls. Yes. And, you know, the, the Rockwell painting I, I referenced, it's, you know, that old town doctor yeah. carrying his little black bag and he's got a stethoscope and he puts it on the doll's heart because the little girl's sick and worried about, you know, her doll being sick too. And we kind of started this saying, why isn't that a reality? Why does everybody expect a really horrible experience anytime they have to interact with a doctor or a nurse practitioner, um, anybody who's there to treat and heal fellow human beings? Why does that have to be a bad experience? Why does it have to be a painful experience when you're going to the place <clears throat> to make your pain disappear is the biggest question. Exactly. 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 And, um, it turns out that most doctors are fed up with how they're forced to see patients. Yeah. Um, they're fed up of being asked how much a service will cost and they don't know and they can't go find the answer. Patients are stymied. Their, their patients are frustrated because they don't know the cost. They don't know when they can actually see a doctor. And so we have this really perverse incentive in our current healthcare system where People will pat themselves on the back for toughing out a really bad flu or toughing out a knee injury, not realizing that it's probably going to lead to something more expensive and more detrimental down the line. And so we're not incentivized to make our doctor our first point of contact when anything is wrong. And that extends to physical, mm -hmm. emotional, mental health. How many people just need somebody to talk to? Yes. And that's a big problem. And so our entire ethos, our entire mission is to just take barriers down, remove barriers. We don't do copays. We don't do visit fees. 
I don't want somebody to be charged a cent for texting their doctor or even calling their doctor because it's incorporated in a membership. Yeah, like I I came from, you know, quite quite a few years of back, had a few years of EMS underneath my belt. And and that was one of the biggest pain points is we would get, you know, patients coming to us who should have seen a doctor months before that they actually now need a doctor and now we're going to pay double or triple of what they would typically pay because a you're calling an ambulance and then b you're going to emergency care but at the same time they already don't have the good experience or they don't have the means to even go visit the doctor to remedy the situation before it even gets to the point where they need us and that just it it's just that cycle right and it's always going and to have something that helps alleviate that and and, and lessen that burden is is going to be you know hopefully changing the way that we live hopefully one can hope i'm i'm right there with you on the hope but you know, Laura, I always tell a team, hope is not a strategy, right? Yes. We got to have sound means of, of market penetration and winning over hearts and minds. And and really, our biggest challenge as a company and as a business model is education. You know, people think that I have to have this little insurance card in my wallet to even think about going to talk to a doctor. I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Medical care is cheaper without using insurance. If you go to any doctor out there and say, hey, what's your self-pay price? What's your cash price? Chances are it's going to be significantly cheaper than if you paid with whatever insurance card is in your wallet. I am not advocating for people to drop all insurance and, and you know be uninsured and take that risk that comes with it. But I want people to start using health insurance like they do a homeowner's insurance where it is a risk-adjusted financial tool to avoid catastrophic bankruptcy. That's what it is. If my toilet leaks, I do not file homeowner insurance. A tree falls on my house, lightning strike, yeah, that's going to be a big ticket item. And that's a catastrophic loss that you know I wouldn't be able to cover. And so I always pose this question to any hospital executive, insurance executive out there. I say, how is a house that is usually somebody's largest expense in their life, right, by, by and large, um, how is that affordable from a homeowner's insurance standpoint, yet healthcare, which... Yeah, everybody's very much worried about that emergency, you know, the car wreck, the cancer, everything. but there's such a small segment of the population in whole that has those things happen to them. Yet, that is exactly what every single health insurance policy is built for, that massive catastrophic loss when the likelihood is very, very low. Um, so again, I don't advocate anybody, you know, take those chances, like get the plan that you want. But leave the maintenance, you know, that, that there's so much room for costs to be depressed from just the maintenance, the primary care side of it. And that's pediatrics, family care, internal medicine, the front line, those people that you should be calling, texting, doing a video chat with at the first sign of trouble. So that is uh, that's kind of a, a kind of a deep dive into the craziness that drives us every day. So you talk about education as a challenge. Are there any other challenges that you face currently like i feel like getting the message out there anyway is in and of itself you know always a challenge no matter who you are but like is there anything else like underlying with that there's a ton i mean you we've got the typical um growing pains 
you know, from a company. We've doubled in size over the past like six months. Um, and so with new people coming on, buying into our mission, you know, we have amazing people on our team who get to go to work every day. Well, they've, they've earned that ability, right? They're, they're with us. You know, it's not like a privilege to get to go to work with us. Um, and, and, they, and they, they tell me like, this is the most rewarding thing. I'm impacting people's lives. And for me as a co-founder to say like, holy cow, like, you know, my team is fully behind what we're trying to do out there. Most of the physicians we work with would be completely out of medicine if it wasn't for this model. They were burnout. They were abused emotionally, mentally in hospital systems. And they're like, I need out. I didn't think independent practice was feasible in this day and age. And we say, oh yeah, it is. But you can't do business with insurance or government programs. And then they say, well, how do I, why, why would a patient join me? And we say, because patients are sick and tired of trying to navigate healthcare alone. And so the number one reason, and this kind of depends on which demographic we're talking about, number one piece, reason why patients join these practices is because they have an advocate for them. These are people who've been in hospitals alone, don't know what question to ask. They don't know what the heck the, you know, the surgeons and the, and the other doctors in there are talking about because they have three minutes Here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're going to do it. Any questions? They don't know. You don't know what question to ask, right? And so to have a primary care doctor right there interpreting that and saying, you know what? This isn't the best place for you. Um, Laura, we've had physicians who've walked into ERs, pulled their patient out and say, what are you doing here? This can be treated at my office or let's go to the Starbucks. I'll wrap up your ankle there because it's not broken. I mean, these are like real impactful stories, right? Like people actually caring for people. And so as we grow, like, that's the biggest thing we, we talk about with people. They're like, you know, this is Freedom HealthWorks is doing good, honest work in healthcare. We're transparent. We put our prices online. We ask all of our clients to put their prices online. No other healthcare company can say that. Everything's like a hidden behind this little maze. So, you know, it, it's going out and, and not to be buzzwordy, but it, it's sticking true to your values and, and saying, look, whatever we can do to remove barriers. So, you know, typical business stuff, just growing, making sure teams are aligned, making sure communication is, is flowing between functional groups and, and teams. Um, those are real challenges, but in a broader market standpoint, what we found is I can't go out overnight and switch somebody's habits 180 degrees. We start chipping away at it. We start to show them, hey, there's, if, if you're tired of a bad experience, Okay, now that's, you know, we start to kind of tip it over, tip it over that edge, um, kind of get that snowball rolling downhill, if you will. And eventually they're like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, okay. I didn't realize insurance was actually a barrier to this thing. Oh, okay. There's alter insurance alternatives that are actually more affordable out there from a health plan standpoint. Oh, this is great. Oh my gosh. I actually do need a doctor on speed dial. You know, I am frustrated of having to wait three weeks at a hospital to get care. I can see somebody in the same day. And so you start chipping away at any type of, Oh, bad habits, I guess, is, is kind of the key word I keep coming back to, you know, from a market standpoint. And then being able to talk to people now and I kind of tell them what we do. And, you know, it's a 10 minute conversation where four years ago it was a 45 minute conversation before things clicked. They're like, oh, OK. But what's really funny is like everybody has a story in some of it is a little bit too graphic. And I'm like, you didn't need to tell me exactly where that rash was, but they like, they open up and I'm like, this is insane. I've never been in a business where people are like, 
oh yeah, here's what I happened and here's what this happened. So how would your model affect that? I'm like, well, you just, you, you call your doctor up and they see you. And if they can't help you, like they get you to the front of line at the best specialist in town. You don't have to stay in a network and, you know, play that, jump through those hoops. Like, oh, wow. I get it. I understand why actually paying for medical services from a trusted physician is far more beneficial than what I thought it was before of I pay my insurance premium. So therefore I have healthcare, which is not the case whatsoever. So we actually, uh, last thing I'll say about it, we actually printed up a bunch of t-shirts that say insurance does not equal healthcare to just drive that wedge in there and try to flip that switch psychologically that these are two different industries, two different services, do not confuse them, do not conflate them. And we, we don't get any you know help from the federal government who always talks about healthcare reform. And all they do is talk about health insurance reform and, you know, muddy the waters there. So there's a lot of, um, I guess my last point on that one, you know, the third challenge we face is, is kind of this Orwellian double speak where people are like, Oh, I, this is healthcare reform over here. And it's like, well, no, that's not actually healthcare. What are you talking about as an insurance financial tool over here? So let's just make sure we, we separate these things. And so we always see some headline. We're like, well, that's not what that means in our world at all. Yet, some hospital starts calling a business model and that kind of thing. So, you know, we, we have a very small microphone out there competing with very large microphones and um, we'll, we'll keep plugging away, but I mean, it's all you got to do. It's just that incremental yeah. change on, on habits. That's our biggest so thing. How did you find yourself in, in, in the healthcare world? Like granted, this is like the business side of healthcare, but what takes you down that path? I was pretty much raised in a physician's office. Uh, mom and dad are both uh, physicians. And so the school bus, like no joke, would drop me off at my dad's office, uh, you know, right north of Indianapolis uh, in what was once a small suburb. Now it's booming like crazy. It's hard to recognize the place. Um, so I, I, I grew up thinking that this is how all physicians were. And I give my, my dad a lot of credit on that one for being that small town physician. And super impactful right and and he you know, would go to friday night football games and he was the physician on the sideline and so the, he knew he knows everybody i'll say that and um i thought that that's how medicine was for everybody i that was it so i was like all right i'm the third out of three kids i'm the youngest i was the other two did not even sniff anywhere close to going to medicine so i was it right so I was pre-med um, at Butler and, and doing some other stuff and started into kind of like the shadowing part of it and, and talking to a lot of physicians and, and people that I'd never met before. But it, it was like, all right, let's go see what this is like. And everybody was just miserable. And this is like 2008, 2009, and the ACA is being debated and people are like, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be coming down the pike here. Like the, the business and the industry and of medicine has been just co-opted um, for the worse. And I remember asking a question to every single doctor. I'd say, do you think I should go into medical school? And they say, no. I said, wow. Okay. Would you go back and if you're in my shoes 20 years ago, 30 years ago, would you go back to medical school? And they say, you know, at that point in time, I, I liked the decision I made. But watching where this profession has gone and living it, I wouldn't recommend medical school and being a doctor to anybody. And I'm like, well, all right. That's a lot of, you know, sincere 
talk right there. And yeah, so it kind of kind of burst my bubble, uh, Laura, you know, because like I said, I, I grew up with this. I'm thinking, all right, this is fun. I want to go take care of people. And, and you know, I, I bring that kind of bedside manner, make an impact and, and see generational people. And, you know, I met all kinds of people in, in, the, in my dad's office and they loved him. And to see what that profession has become, I even asked him, he goes, you know, Chris, go to business school, go to law school. I love that you want to pursue medicine and I've made an impact on you, but I wouldn't do it again. And it's like, geez. Okay. So like you said, very, very sobering. Um, and so we fast forward and, and, you know, more personal stuff. And, and we started dancing around this idea and, I read this article a while ago in like an ink magazine or something. It's like, you know, you start a business when something hits you like a wet newspaper on a windy day and just wraps around your face. Like that's all you can think about. And I, I just love the visualization of that. And so fast forward and we got some family members that, that fall ill. And if it was not for my mom and dad stepping in and taking charge of their hospital care, going over the physician's head, the attending physician's head who made decisions that would have killed those family members, it, it makes it impactful and drives home the fact that if you don't have a doctor on speed dial, you're taking a chance. You know, a lot of people like to think, well, if I'm uninsured, if I don't have the right insurance, like, you know, that's a big risk. I'm taking a chance there. And I say, you know, that's, that's complete garbage. If you don't have a medical professional in your family or somebody on speed dial, that's the real risk. That's somebody that you don't have to, you know, you don't have anybody available to ask a question. If you're going out to Google or WebMD to look up symptoms, stop don't Please do that stop <laughs> there's there's an expert in your in your town so i i just a book in that you know i asked my mom like hey what are we supposed to do when you guys retire and we get sick and she looked at me and you know, kind of tears in her eyes she goes don't ever go to a hospital alone yes and i was like okay and she goes well actually my better advice would be to don't get sick don't get sick <laughs> that's like, well, yeah. probably not a problem <laughs> probably not going to be an option. Um, so that kind of kickstarted this, like, you know, how do we give everybody out there the, the, the ability to access a physician at an affordable price and that doctor is able to give time and very high quality care to that person. And that's why we, we, we researched this model for a very, very long time. And we're like, you know what, this, this is it. Kind of the gym membership, kind of the Netflix type of a, of a subscription. And like, why don't we just bring this to healthcare? Help doctors become business owners again, help them on the startup and away we go. And so, um, you know, there was a long time where I thought we were nuts and we kept plugging away. And you know, it, it, uh, we're at a point now where I can kind of catch my breath and say, all right, what's next? What's the next phase moving forward? Um, and so I, I, I kind of think that we exude, you know, those, that one trait of entrepreneurs that really drives home success. And that's just persistence. We didn't give up. We had a dream. We got a lot of positive buy-in. Like nobody out there said we were nuts. They said, hey, this is a great idea. This is a brilliant idea. You're nuts for trying to challenge your status quo, but the business idea is sound. And we just kept plugging away until we got to this point. So long story, I know, easy, short question, but you know, it, it's very personal and I, and I share that. It took me a while to be comfortable sharing that personal aspects of, you know, what my implications were with my family. 
and how it really led us to this point. And, um, you know, going back to team building, it's like everybody's bought into it. And that's just such a powerful thing uh, to see, you know, from, from my standpoint in the business. I mean, like everyone, if, if more people could understand and realize how nice it is to have that physician on speed dial, right? Like I'm lucky enough to have an ER doctor as an aunt. So like if, if I should need to, you know, we could call her. But like, that's a comfort that not everyone has, and obviously with with you and and, and your parents. But to have that availability is a comfort that not many people understand still. And the more people who can understand that improves the quality of life. Like even if you do get get sick and like, oh, it's just the flu. I'm I'm not gonna go see anybody. You know, a quick text or a quick call can at least you know put that like growing worry in the in the back of your mind back at ease exactly. which yeah and, and think about those implications of of delaying or off-putting care so you think i have the flu i'm gonna stay home from work for a few days like there, there's serious kind of ripple effects that happen not just in your personal life but you know in in economic terms too now your employer's looking at you saying oh my gosh like are you okay what's going on or you're always sick this is the third time this month like and maybe there's something else going on. And, you know, there's all kinds of stories that come out of this. And I, we had a client who, who called me up one day and he's like, after 30 years, I was able to spend enough time with a longtime patient to realize that he was allergic to his down pillow. And this guy had been fighting allergies his entire life, spent tens of thousands of dollars because this is the first time I was actually able to spend more than seven minutes with a guy and realize that this battery of drugs and tests that we keep ordering is just not helpful for you. Let's figure it out. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go more environmental. What's going on? And that's where we're starting to see our doctors, not just looking at a symptom and saying, here, take this pill, this pill, let's go get this test. They're looking at this and actually asking, why? Why are you suffering from these allergies? What's going on? Tell me what's going on at home. What's your work life like? What kind of car is it? You know, it, it, all these different things and then this picture adds up. And so it's called the practice of medicine for a reason. It's this intersection of art and science. It's not set into a law, right? There's a science, there's science is constantly changing. And if anybody out there is like, oh, this is, this is a fact, this is science, science is settled. Science is no, never settled. there's no way. It's never settled. We just found out that, you know what, we might actually be able to go faster than the speed of light, you know, on very small scales. And there's doing some incredible stuff with it and breaking all the laws of physics as we speak. And that's where the art comes in there. So art is constantly fluid too. Art's a reflection of really kind of everyday society. And that you know message is always very powerful. So being able to unleash a, a brilliant physician's mind who by and large are the smartest people in the community and the most empathetic, I do want to say that, um, being able to unshackle them and go care for people that the way that they want, that they're experienced and that the way that they're educated uh, and the way they're motivated to do it, we've seen incredible results. It's a comforting thought, too, that, you know, we get this idea of going to a hospital, everything's negative. Oh, they're just going to pass me on to another doctor to run tests X, Y, and Z, and then they're going to pass me off to another doctor. Well, that's just kind of like tossing the buck around. Okay, how much money can I get out of this person instead of, can I care for you? Can I fit? Like, can I help you feel better 
and having that like availability now to feel cared for. Yes. Well, you since you went there, since you brought up dollars, um, I I I hammer hospitals all the time in conversations I have. I go, the goal of the hospital is revenue maximization. That's why you get your bill. You're like, I was only there for an hour. What the heck? How does it thirty thousand dollars? And you see all these different boom, 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 all these little codes. And you're like, I don't know what these codes mean. And half the time, those codes are not even right because you didn't see 15 doctors, but yet people are coding in the background, usually you know, not even in the same facility or the same company. And it's all about revenue maximization. They're going to throw as much stuff on the wall as they possibly can to squeeze it out. Now, insurance comes in and says, hey, great news, Laura. I got you 50% discount. And you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, they went to bat for me. Not thinking that, well, if I just paid cash, this would have been 500 bucks, but you got me a 50% discount, which sounds great, but 50% of what? And that's the question that nobody thinks to ask because we're thinking, oh, it's benevolent. How can this nonprofit hospital not have the warm and fuzzies for my situation? And the fact is they don't. Yep. It's all about revenue maximization. That is it. Yep. So it, it is what it is, but you know what? Doesn't, doesn't have to have be. To be. Exactly. So I want to wrap things up a little bit here. We talked a lot about business and a lot about healthcare. What do you do outside of business? What do you do for fun to relax, to get away, just to open up and enjoy? My uh, creative outlet is cooking. I love to cook, grilling, anything like that. I'll, I'll kind of look at some ingredients and be like, oh, what do we want to make today? You know, I, I'm one of those people that uh, we'll raid the pantry in the fridge and be like, let's just see how this comes in. And um, once I kind of realized, I've always loved cooking and, and uh, really doing all kinds of crazy stuff on the grill and the smoker and stuff. But once I realized that, hey, this is this is like my creative outlet. This is, this is fun. I don't paint. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, but in business, a lot of people get so focused on it's black and white. It's results oriented, you know they don't have the outlet. And so that's kind of my therapy. I'll get in the kitchen, um, pour a glass of wine, tell my wife that she cannot help with dinner at all, which drives her nuts. Uh, cause she, she loves to cook too. And that's where our, always our, our biggest arguments happen is who's cooking dinner on what day, you know? So I always just say, I'm like, you have to sit on that side of the table and of the bar and just sit there and have a glass of wine and relax and, and say hi to the kids. Um, so I love that, you know, it, it, uh, we live in a great little neighborhood where we live next to the white river. And so we get to see, you know, bald eagles and wildlife and kind of our little oasis yes. in the middle of Indianapolis, which is kind of a forgotten little It's a area. gorgeous so, area. You know, yeah. So I, I, I love to cook. I love to get outside. Um, I'm not like the extreme athlete by any means, like going out and doing mud runs and that kind of stuff. Like it, it's amazing to 10, 15, 20 minute walk, just kind of around the neighborhood or get some trees around you and, you know, kind of clear your mind and, and that kind of thing. So um, I would say we, we like to travel. We love going places, experiencing new things, but uh, um, we're a little, we're a little traveled out after, after this summer and a lot of miles uh, going to see friends and family. So it's going to be nice to just kind of stick around here and, and uh, yeah, keep, keep taking care of the kiddos and keep, uh, keep seeing friends, family and finding ways to, do things that we want to do. And, and, um, you know, I credit, I credit my team a lot with being able to do that. And, uh, one of my goals this past year is being able to learn how to fly. And so like, I'm right at the finish line of it. And so hopefully like very soon, if you ever hear from me, you know, next time that 
I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got a private pilot's certificate now and uh, go up. And, and what I like about that is, you know, going into the air, you're not way up in like in a jet or anything like that, but it gives you a different perspective. And I like to build different experiences and build lessons and draw from a diverse background to impact what we face right now. And I think that's, that's huge. And so, um, you know, as we continue to grow the company, like we look for leaders that, that have a diverse background and, and a lot of different experiences than that could help right now, but yet draw on those to help, help push us forward. And, and, you know, we look for people who are more reluctant leaders, um, rather than somebody who wants to go out there and start, you know, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. I can't give it up. So it, um, I know I'm drifting a little bit on there, but I'll, I'll, I'll land this, I'll land this plane if I might, you know, no pun intended, but, um, you know, I, I kind of push myself just to kind of learn new stuff. And, um, that has direct translation into just everyday business and, and everyday family interactions. And, and I would say that I'm, I would hopefully my, you know, everybody, my team agree with this, but, you know, since I became a dad a few years ago, like, I think I'm a better leader, business leader because of that, because nothing is, you can't be selfish, right? So you got to be out there taking care of other people, making sure what they have, what they need and not to just completely forget about yourself. Cause you know, that's a problem. But I think a lot of those lessons and the reason why I bring it up, a lot of those lessons from outside work have direct translations, but you got to take a step back and realize that. And so that's why I try to have, you know, learning and, and creative outlets and, Sometimes you just need to take a breath and, and we fully encourage that. So a lot there, a lot, uh, it's not a clean answer by any means, but, uh, it's kind of how I operate, you know, take a little bit of this, take some of that, take some of that. And then away we go. I mean, like, that's something I found very true for myself as well is like my own hobbies have, even if they are not, you know, directly like correlated to my job, right. You can find ways to connect those dots. There, you can you can learn from almost anything, whether it be good, bad, or in the middle. So like flying, I I, I also understand just you know a fraction of a hair. So an early congratulations for pilot's license. Ah, don't jinx me. Okay, gotta, uh, true, the, true, the true, true, true. Um, <laughs> but it comes with a lot of practice, and it comes with a lot of logical steps and a lot of charting from my understanding of it. Um, but that also, yep. yeah. and there's a lot, and there's a lot of variables in there too. Oh, yeah. Like there's things, how things should work. That but don't. <laughs> you're constantly looking, thinking if this happens, what do I do? If exactly. this happens, what do I do? Where's my next point? Where am I going now? Let's dial it in. Let's get prepared and get everything set up so that when I'm at that point, I am not reacting. And again, I, that's a great insight on your part. Like, ton of parallels there too, to always be anticipating what's next, what's next, how can I plan for something? You know, there's, there's always this old joke. I think it was from an old movie that a plan is just a list of things that never yes, happen. but at least you're in yeah. that mindset that, okay, if these things, you know, where's my contingency planning? Where's my strategic planning? Um, I hate the term roadmap because no business is a straight flat line. No, it's it, not. I, know, I like, I like thinking that you're, you're kind of in an ocean and a tiny little boat and you're trying to get to that island over there, but you got to battle currents and yes. waves and sharks and all kinds of stuff. You might get there eventually, but it's not going to be a straight line. Yeah. And like, just, just like piloting a plane, you go through all of those tracks, you go through all of the mechanical issues that could happen. You go through that book over and over and over, you memorize it. 
So you don't have to think about doing something. Oh, that red light is screaming at you? Awesome. I can do X, Y, and Z to fix that issue without having to flip open a book. I mean, depending on the level which you're at, but that's still, like, you have all those tools at your disposal to accomplish getting over any challenges that may occur to you. And that applies to the same business, right? You have all of your... Absolutely. Absolutely. You have all your experiences. And and what's funny... Yeah, and what's funny about that, yeah. Laura, is that our business model is actually going back to how medicine was practiced pre-World War II. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm a big fan of history, yeah. big student of history, that I don't necessarily think history repeats itself, but there are patterns. If, if we forget yeah. what we've built on, it's going to happen again, right? We, and maybe a little different instance. And so that's why I, I started laughing when you said that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's so spot on that we're returning back to a simpler time of connecting a doctor and a patient. But this model, a, a variation of it, had existed forever until World War II happened. Yeah. And then now we have that growing third-party payer system that is just so complex and jumbled up that it's time to like, all right, just 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 blow it all up. It, you can't even fix it at this point in time. Just go a different route. Just go the easy yes. route, right? Hit that big old easy button and away we go. Because we've done this before. So it uh, it's fun to talk about innovation and that kind of stuff. But, you know, we're drawing a lot of experiences to build the current business model that we have and care model and say, look, look, this isn't different than what your grandparents had. This is what small town doctors did. This is it. This is the profession of medicine that it used to be. It, it's just taking a past skeleton model and applying it to a, a new world and making it better. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there is very few things, I feel like, that we can create from scratch, 100%. Uh, healthcare is always being reinvented, and the key word being reinvented, because mm-hmm. we're taking something from the past, we're just making it better. But maybe mm-hmm. something oh, like yeah. software. We are 100% creating something completely new because it hasn't been existed in the past. But with healthcare, all it is is relationships and, and, and you know, having empathy and going back to that. And, and that's something I think COVID has pushed us further along that train track at a quicker pace than I think what we saw before that. I think it was always moving in that direction but I think we were forced into it a little bit faster. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, hospitals that pat themselves on the back, right? We can do telehealth now. And I'm like, Skype's been around since the exactly. 90s. This is not a new technology. <laughs> what they meant to say was, Oh, Hey, we finally negotiated against insurance companies to get paid for doing telehealth. <laughs> that was the big thing, right? Going back to your point on, on, you know, like new, new stuff. I paper and pencil is a form of technology. Yeah. True. True. But we've made it better. We had a right? typewriter, um, and now a keyboard. A charcoal, a charcoal on a cave True. wall is was a form of technology yeah. at that point in time, right? And it's like you kind of put it, break it down. You're like, wow, you know. So I, I'm kind of one of those believers that you know everything we can look around, and be like, you know, there was a previous iteration of just this. how far back you want to go, and, and and that connection you want to make. But you can make those connections easy. It's all iterations and experimentations, and sometimes those iterations and experimentations are not better. And we got to go, you know, let's go back to the point where it was good and then see if we can build upon that one. Yeah. And 
that's the biggest thing. You find a lot of people are not okay admitting that they made a mistake and that, you know what, let's, let's do that. Let's go back there because this is the wrong call. And so we always tell our team, Hey, I don't, I don't care if you make mistakes, just learn from it. Don't do it. Don't do it again. Yes. Don't repeat it. Um, there's always lessons to be learned and everything. Like you said. Yeah. I mean, how else are you going to learn if, if, if you don't make a mistake at some point, I granted some mm-hmm. were larger than others. Um, but you know, at, yeah. At the end of the day, as long as you learn to not do that again, then yeah, yep. you learn. Yep. And failures can happen. Failures can happen fast and they can happen slow. Yeah. Like we, we've we learned something as a company that took us about six, seven years to actually get there. And we're like, wow, that's, the, that's not the best way to do it. And so I always kind of laugh when someone's like, fail fast, fail often, you know, move forward. I'm like, sometimes it's impossible to do that, but you always have to be able to say, ooh, yeah, let's hit the brakes. That was the wrong call. Not necessarily 180, but let's go this way. Um, they don't. They don't always happen immediately, and um, I think that's something that's kind of pervasive in startups. It's like I gotta go as hard as I can, and then make a decision, and you know, move that way. So um, true. Yeah, like I said, just just gotta learn and always be learning. Always have your eyes out for something that could be done better. Yes, exactly. Well, I want to thank you for coming on today. Um, was there anything else uh, that we could touch upon while while we're here? Uh, or because I, I I think I think that that that's a relatively good note to end on. It's just all, always keep learning. Oh, I, I could talk about pretty much anything, Laura, <laughs> as you could probably imagine here. So, um, yeah, I, hey, the NFL season's True. coming up. Let's you know, let's talk if the Colts are going to be worth the price of admission. There, I hope so. You know, True. I hope so. But uh, <laughs> see, yeah. I tend to look at professional sports like celebrity gossip. Though oh. they don't really do a whole lot for me and add a lot of value they just help you exactly escape. um uh, i'm in the part of uh, indiana that is the mix of indiana and chicago sports so mm-hmm. it's like if they go against each other it's like oh no who who, who do i root for <laughs> well football season in chicago is never a fun time for anybody up there and oh, that's kind of that. <laughs> that's just that's just painful <laughs> that's just pa- i'll just say that i'll just leave it at that point right between that and baseball <laughs> it's just it's just ugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, from the political side of it, like this is something that both sides agree yes. on. And, and we, we helped pass a couple items that had zero no votes from any party, either chamber in the state. And that's a big accomplishment, you know, the f- especially here in Indiana. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we don't have any hope for the feds to be able to fix anything, especially healthcare related. Um, it's just not going to happen. Right. They're, they're more interested in sound bites and, and uh, one-off gotcha type of stuff. So yeah. I, I would say that, that you know, for the listeners out there, like get involved in your state level if you really want to make an impact on stuff. Make it easier for doctors to see patients. Make it easier for, um, you know, the right facilities to drive down costs and start asking questions. Um, I one time got asked, I go, Chris, what, what is your one message? If you had a billion billboards across the United States, what would you put on it? And I kind of thought it for a second and said, you know what? I would put it there in big letters. Next time you see the doctor, ask the price. Oh. That's it. Ask the price. Any healthcare service, anything you even, you're going to go see a dentist, ask the price. I don't care how you pay. You might have insurance that says, hey, this is all covered. Fine. Go ask the price. I like that. You, you Maybe we should... Uh... Get you up on I sixty five on on one of those billboards. 
<laughs> right, right, right next to the uh, the billboard that says uh, "Hell is real." <laughs> yeah, I I hate driving on I sixty five. Don't worry, so uh, do I. Thing is like that thing is a death trap every time. But uh, yeah, it may, maybe I'll say like, if I it could fly a fleet of airplanes towing banners around every yes. major event, I would say need to see a doctor. Ask the price. Um, thinking that if a doctor's out there who who actually does not know the price of what they're what they're you know recommending. And that's a symptom, right? That's a problem. Um, you get asked that a couple times a day. You're going to get tired of it and actually figure out why you can't say this it costs $100, this costs $50, this costs $1,000. You're going to go find the right one. And if that doctor is getting stonewalled by the hospital system, big problem, big red flag for that doctor. Are you actually taking care of people or are you just part of the problem where people are getting bankrupted by their hospital? Care? Yes caused by doctor recommendations. I mean, it, it's a slippery slope when you start going that route and that, you know, nonprofit hospitals are the number one, number one driver of healthcare bankruptcy, those charitable hospital systems. And so it, there's a lot of problems as the deeper you dive, yes. but it, it, it just takes stepping out. You know, that first step is always very important. And so the more we can kind of drill that in home on people, then I think the better off we're going to be. Hey, yes. So, with that being said, don't dive too deep, um, but take that first step. <laughs> that uh, as just ask a question. Exactly, right? that's just all you need to do question. is that's just it. ask that first question. Don't need to debate. Don't need to get fired up. Just ask a question yeah. and see what happens yeah. of it. Well, thank you. We can all be curious. <laughs> <laughs> True. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on Business Black Belts today. Uh, for all the listeners out there. How is the best way to get in touch if they want to learn more, if they want to, you know, connect deeper for any like healthcare workers, like um, doctors or just, you know, general listeners who, who have more questions? FreedomHealthWorks.com is a great resource for uh, physicians and providers. We did recently launch a consumer and employer oriented uh, brand called Freedom Doc. And that's freedomdoc.care is the web address. And so that it just talks to you a little bit more of how that impacts me as a patient, as an individual, and as employer health plan. So a lot of fun stuff happening out there. And, and like I said, just, just ask questions to stay curious and don't expect a bad experience because you don't have to. That's good words to live on. That really is. Again, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on Business Black Belts. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And to all the listeners out there, I hope you as well have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.